Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero. And I'm Emily Vanderbush. And this is Mass Ave. There are only nine meals between mankind and anarchy. That's a quote from American journalist Alfred Henry Lewis, and now part of the title of National Geographic's popular show, Doomsday Preppers. If you've ever lost power in your home for more than 24 hours, you start to better understand the meaning of that quote. If it's winter and you have kids, there'll be conversations about if it's time to find a hotel that has power and heat. If it's summer, you'll have to decide what food stays and what food has gone bad due to lack of refrigeration. If power is lost across a city or a county, there may be runs on gasoline, milk, water. So have you ever asked yourself, what would happen if the power never came back on? Today, we're gonna learn more about the threat of an electromagnetic pulse attack a scenario in which exactly that would happen. It would be absolutely devastating. You're talking about a catastrophic event uh, from which conceivably you couldn't recover for years. Congress should look at EMP attacks as one of the three great threats to our survival. Michelle and I sat down with Lieutenant General Thomas Bohr, Director of Heritage's Center for National Defense. General Spohr served for over 36 years in the United States Army. He is an expert on national defense policy and strategy and has testified before Congress on defense strategy, budgets, and equipment modernization. Spohr's articles and commentary have been published widely in both civilian and military media, and he is often called upon to provide expert commentary and analysis. Hi, General Spohr. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. General Spohr, can you tell us what exactly is an electromagnetic pulse? Yeah, absolutely. So you think back to your physics classes or science classes, electromagnetic energy can be anything. It can be light. It can be magnetism. It can be x-rays, gamma rays. In this case, we're talking about the electromagnetic pulse that typically comes after a massive event like a solar flare or the detonation of a nuclear weapon. And what it does is charges the particles in the atmosphere, and that radiation moves very, very quickly at the speed of light throughout the surrounding area. Can you give me a real-life scenario in which the United States might be affected by an EMP? Yeah, unfortunately I can, and it's it's all too real, and that is back in September, the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un actually threatened the United States with a nuclear Uh, electromagnetic pulse. And he said in September that he has nuclear weapons, he has the missiles to carry out an EMP attack on America. So that's a very real and very scary prospect. Do you need a particular type of nuclear weapon? Uh, The bigger the nuclear weapon, the more uh, power and the more effect that the EMP will have. But even the smallest uh, nuclear weapon will cause an EMP type effect. So how does it work? They would be, um, you know, North Korea fires off a nuclear weapon. Does it enter our atmosphere? Yeah, typically to get an effect on the United States, the nuclear weapon would enter the high atmosphere of the United States. That would be the most effective EMP. And it's typically very high, like 400 kilometers high, centered over the United States would cause the greatest effect to our country. And so what is that effect? What exactly happens? So uh, EMP, you know, nuclear weapons have all kinds of bad effects. The one we're talking about is the pulse, and it's just like a bolt of lightning almost, if you will. And so it's going to affect our electric and our electronic devices. And 
the longer the connection, the worse the effect. And so a watch or a smartphone in your pocket, probably not affected. Our electrical grid, which has these very long electrical connections and lines, is going to be the most affected. So what about your car? Would your car work? Car might work. Now, unfortunately, uh, you'll need uh, a gas station eventually. And so right. the gas station depends on electricity. So again, it's, and it's also like the smartphone too. So your smartphone will work, but it, it depends on a cell phone network, which is going to be down. And right. so all these little individual disconnected things might work until they need to be recharged or if they depend on something else, they won't work. Yeah. I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, great. My car would work. Wait a minute. I need to get out of a parking garage, which typically is doors would not open. Right. Parking garage, traffic lights. I mean, so the car itself, unless you're in some very rural area, uh, will work. But we depend on so many other things in our daily lives that are powered by electricity. Yeah. So are other countries other than North Korea studying these type of attacks and how capable are they? Yeah. So there are nine countries in the world that have nuclear weapons. All of them know about the effects of electromagnetic pulse. You know, happily or fortunately, not all the nine are uh, adversaries of the United States, but countries like Russia, uh, North Korea, China have all looked into the effects of EMP and uh, presumably are familiar with what they can do and probably have made at least some minor plans in that uh, case. Is anyone protected from this type of attack? Uh, Yes. So if you were to be living in a yurt in Idaho living completely off the grid and filtering your own water and using solar panels, you might be okay. Uh, Nearly everybody else that's part of modern U.S. society is going to be impacted by this. And there's some, you know, I don't want to scare listeners, but there's some speculation that up to 90% of the U.S. population would be killed in the aftermath of an EMP uh, attack. And that would come mostly from starvation. And so all of our food supplies depend on a Uh, supply of electricity to get uh, harvested and transported and delivered to our supermarkets, and all that infrastructure would presumably be gone. General, have you heard of anything called a Faraday cage? Yes. So there is technology that can protect against uh, EMP, and a Faraday cage is a pretty simple thing. It's really a metal box in which you put the device you want protected in that metal box versus the uh, electromagnetic pulse hitting the device is dissipated by the cage around uh, the device and, and can protect it. And so there's a dilemma, though. You, you can't build enough cages and you can't protect enough things to really protect our society. Are any of our politicians or is our president protected from an EMP? Yeah, I, I would wager to say the president's probably protected. I suspect his communications and Air Force One and, and the military communications that we depend on are all protected against EMP. Uh, You know, eventually, though, uh, he's got to eat, and no matter how much food they have stored in the White House or somewhere else, you know, everybody gets caught up in the the disasters that befall our society. So what has been done to protect the United States from this type of an attack so far? Uh, Not much, unfortunately. And so there are some things, though, we can, uh, you know, do to some farsighted individuals, starting with Ronald Reagan and others, we have missile defense for this country. And so there is, there are missile defenses that protect primarily against North Korean missile threats. But if they were to launch a missile, uh, we have a pretty good assurance that we could knock it down before it gets over our country. 
our missile defenses really are oriented on North Korea. And so there's, they don't point towards Russia. They don't point that well to China. So no other country do we have a missile defense against. And then if the missile and its nuclear warhead gets over the United States, we frankly haven't done much to protect this country. Our military systems like jets and destroyers and military hardware, they typically have some EMP protection built in. Civilian systems, civilian power systems, not protected at all. Is it the United States government that's responsible for protecting us from this? I've read a lot about electric companies doing more with the grid. Whose responsibility is this? Yeah, it's really, in the end, it's going to have to be a shared responsibility. So I think most Americans believe that uh, protection against a nuclear weapon is really a federal government responsibility. So it starts with the federal government uh, laying out the responsibilities, the roles for who protects this country in, in in the case of an electromagnetic pulse attack. But in order to protect our electric grid, we're going to have to defend on depend on the the expertise, the knowledge of the electric companies. They understand electrical grids, transformers, uh, distribution systems much better than anybody in even the Department of Energy. And so if we're going to really make a dent in this problem, it's going to take a team effort with everybody. That being said, do you think we need to start doing more, and what should that be? Yeah, we we absolutely need to start doing more. Uh, our paper, we have a heritage paper coming out shortly about this problem. We'll talk about that the federal government needs to define who's responsible. Right now, there is finger-pointing, if you will, between the Department of Energy, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense. Each one believes the other is responsible for this uh, problem. Uh, we need to figure that out pretty quickly. And then um, there need to be some standards developed for protection. So we need to be able to have this conversation with the electric utilities and say, your system needs to be protected against a threat of this magnitude and type. We've not yet been able to have that conversation with the electric companies. And then we need to sit back and listen to the electric companies, and they'll tell us, here's the best way to get after that threat. The federal government doesn't know how to protect transformers and electrical lines and things like that as well as our electric companies do, and we need to, we need to mine that expertise. Uh, so everybody working together, we can make a real dent in this problem, I believe. Better missile defense as well, right? We could use better missile defenses. So again, it's our system is completely optimized against North Korea, and that's probably um, appropriate since they're the, probably the biggest nuclear threat we face today. But there are other countries that uh, are not friendly to, this, to the United States. Um, Iran is a rising power. We believe that it's only a matter of time before they have nuclear weapons. So we need to improve our missile defenses. We have advocated at Heritage for a space-based layer of missile defense sensors and interceptors as well. General Sport, thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And that's it for this episode of Mass Ave. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave us comments and reviews. We love hearing from you and we'll probably even write back. Tune in next week where we will explain why America needs a strong Navy. Mass Ave is produced by Michelle Cordero and Emily Vanderbush. With editing by Thalia Rampersad.